What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. As always, I'm hanging out talking sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, but with every passing day, NFL kickoff is right around the corner. College is coming up. Had my first taste of high school football on Friday, so I am just very excited for the upcoming football season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the third preseason week, that's as close as you get to real NFL action in the preseason. So that uh, teased me a little bit. It's still just kind of boring preseason games. I actually watched an FCS football game yesterday, Montana playing North Dakota State, which was an awesome game. I don't know if you saw any highlights, but Montana playing against North Dakota State, who's the four-time defending FCS champion, uh, they beat them on a last goal line stand. Uh, they ran the ball in as the clock was expiring. It was pretty sweet. And that got me super excited. But then I realized that I'm watching FCS football and it's <laughs> still not even close to the real thing. But yes, we are talking more football here on What Are You Talking About? This is part one of our two-part NFL preview. If you're a college football fan, if that's all you want, our college football preview is already up on the website. So go check that out on iTunes if uh, you want to get your college football fixed. But today and next week, we're all NFL. We're going to go division by division, talk about the teams we like, teams we don't like, the interesting stories. There's tons of to talk about. So let's just get right into it. Uh, we're talking about the AFC this week. And I think we want to start uh, with what has to be considered the best division in football just by the fact that they sent three teams to the postseason last year, and that's the AFC North. You got the Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, and then obviously our hometown Cleveland Browns, the odd man out every year it seems. But, Chris, what, which team do you like? Do you like all three? Uh, do you like the Browns? What, what are you thinking in the North? Well, every year – I always think that this is the year Cincinnati is going to take a step back. But every year they sort of prove me wrong, at least for the last three. So Cincinnati has been very consistent, more consistent than people give them credit for. The problem with Cincinnati is they always take care of business against the teams they should beat. And then when they get to the playoffs or play a big game against a team that they need to beat to take that next step, they always fall short. So I would say Cincinnati is still kind of the third best team in that division the Ravens and Steelers have dominated the North for as long as I can remember. And so I would be surprised if those two teams aren't once again playing two games with the division title on the line. Last year they met in the playoffs. Baltimore went to Pittsburgh and beat them. Le'Veon Bell did not play in that game. So certainly those two teams have got to be the class of this division just because they've been doing it for so long. They have two very well-seasoned and proven quarterbacks with three Super Bowl rings between them. We're talking about Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco. So I think that when you have elite-level quarterbacks like that who have won big games, multiple big games, led their teams to the Super Bowl and deep in the playoffs on a consistent basis, you're ahead of the curve. They're very well-coached. They're two of the best-won football-wise organizations in the NFL and I certainly would be surprised if those two teams aren't at the top of this division again. Yeah, I'm in total, total agreement with you. I think the Bengals are consistently good. They're not great. They're consistently the fifth or fourth best team in the AFC. And 
there are times when you thought that they were better, but they just don't, they don't deliver. And a lot of that blame gets handed down to Andy Dalton, probably unfairly, but he does play quarterback and he does make a ton of money now with this big deal. So maybe it is fair, but the Bengals just have a habit of letting you down. They have a lot of talent and they're returning a lot of that talent this year. But when you're in a division with that has two model of consistency teams in the Steelers and the Ravens, uh, it's really easy to not believe in the Bengals. Now, I'm not really believing in them, in them this year. I think the Ravens uh, got better. I think they improved. They lost uh, Torrey Smith and Owen Daniels, but they spent their first two picks on Brashad Perryman and Max Williams. Uh, Brashad Perryman, a wide receiver, and, and Williams, a tight end. They traded away Haloti Nada, uh, who has been their anchor on the front line playing nose tackle. Uh, I don't know who is going to replace him. They drafted Carl Davis in the third round, maybe him. But uh, I trust the Ravens system as much as I trust any team in the NFL. I think the Ravens, the Patriots, and, and the Seahawks just in the past few years are the models of replacing known talent with unknown entities and not missing a beat. So I, I whatever the Ravens do, it was kind of a quiet off season. Um, I still believe in them just because of their track record. The Steelers are interesting because they had uh, an offensive awakening last year with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. I mean, those two guys were probably the best wide receiver and the best running back in the league last year. And then you throw in Martavis Bryant and Marcus Wheaton as your two and three wide receivers. Roethlisberger finally had an arsenal of weapons and they just hit the ground running. Uh, The only issue I have with the Steelers is first off, Le'Veon Bell is missing those first three games and Martavis Bryant is now suspended for four games. So they're not going to start off on the right foot. And Dick LeBeau is gone as defensive coordinator. And that Steelers defense is not the steel curtain that we are used to seeing. They are very soft and very weak. Uh, they've A lot of the guys that we are accustomed to seeing playing on that Steelers defense, Troy Polamalu, Ike Taylor, they're gone. James Harrison's gone. Uh, they need guys like Jarvis Jones, Ryan Shazier, and their, and their new draft pick, Bud Dupree. Those are three consecutive first-round draft picks on linebackers. Those guys all need to step up and earn earn their draft stock. So I'm concerned about the Steelers' defense, but that offense, when operating, when all those guys are back from suspensions, is going to put up a lot of points again. Yeah, well, f- one, one minor correction. Bell's suspension was reduced to two games earlier in the year, so Le'Veon Bell will only miss weeks one and two. And let's bring this up, though. Yeah, Pittsburgh at New England week one looks kind of scary, but I think the courts are going to have a lot to say about how scary that game really is in this next week here. So there's a little bit of question mark around that week one. I don't think they need Le'Veon Bell to beat New England if Tom Brady isn't playing. So I certainly think the Steelers kind of got a favorable draw there with the good fortune of the sort of deflate gate suspensions, which we will get to more in a minute. I know you and I kind of have a sort of forbiddenness on that, but <laughs> we kind of have no choice but to talk about it now that we're previewing the NFL. So when you think about that, week one at New England, if Tom Brady's not playing, I don't care if they have Le'Veon Bell or not, they should win that game. Then they come home and face San Francisco, who we'll talk more about in our NFC preview, but let's just say they haven't had a very stellar offseason and probably aren't the San Francisco we're used to seeing the last four years. So 
Certainly, Pittsburgh can weather those two games without Le'Veon Bell. Now, Marcavius Bryant obviously missing four games is a little bit more severe. That's a big part of their offense, but they still have a lot of weapons. Antonio Brown is the big guy on that receiving core, and if Le'Veon Bell is back for weeks three and four, I think they'll be fine. I don't think the suspension is going to be that big a deal. You mentioned something, though. The defense could be a problem, and they definitely have to develop a little bit more consistency on defense. Also, can their offensive line stay healthy? The last couple of years, not last year, but the two years before that, the biggest problem, the biggest hindrance to them making the playoffs and being consistent was that offensive line getting some untimely injuries. So they're going to have to stay healthy up front if they want to make a run. I'm kind of leaning towards Baltimore a little bit in this division because Baltimore, as you said, came on real strong towards the second half of last year. They had New England by 14 points twice on the road in the playoffs. I think they played New England better than Seattle played New England in the Super Bowl, and that was a true road game for the Ravens. I think the Ravens came on real strong at the end of the year. They are brilliant at getting rid of guys at the right time and getting those compensatory picks and replacing them. So I like Baltimore. But it's certainly, I think, those are two guys who will be fighting for the division crown. Yeah, I think they're both going to have good seasons. Baltimore just seems more steady and consistent and has more all-around talent at more uh, at multiple positions, whereas the Steelers, they have superstars. And if those stars click and if they are operating at, at full capacity come playoff time, they certainly can be anybody. But the Ravens are, are just... Uh, they're not as flashy, but they seem a little bit more consistent for me. So I, I think I like the Ravens a little bit more in the North, but I think they're both going to have successful seasons. Uh, do you have anything to say about the Browns? No, not really. I do think that the Browns will be the, other than that, they'll be the worst team in the NFL this year, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're playing a special Klee talk. So if if you're listening for our Browns analysis, you're going to have to wait a, a little bit for that. But we do have a lot to say about the Browns. So uh, do you want to pick division winner now or do you want to wait till? No, let's do it division by division. I think Baltimore will win the North with Pittsburgh a very close second. Yeah, I agree. I think it's only going to be a game, game difference. It could be decided by a tiebreak, really. Uh, but yeah, I got the Ravens in front and then the Steelers finishing in a close second. Yeah, well, going south... This division is a little easier to pick, Bob. I do you see a serious threat to the Colts in this division? Absolutely not. Um, which is why I think the Colts continue to be fool's gold. Uh, they play in, I think it's the softest division, at least in the AFC. Uh, could be in the NFL. NFC South is is pretty weak as well. But the Colts with Andrew Luck, all things are possible, especially in the regular season. They're going to get theirs. They're going to get their games. Uh, they, their off season, I thought it was interesting that they went out and added more offense, add Andre Johnson, add Frank Gore, which they did need a running game. So that that's probably a good move. And then draft Philip Dorsett in the first round. So, uh, as if Andrew Luck needed more help on offense, I don't quite understand that when your defense is really, it has to be considered subpar. Uh, the only thing that they have going for them is they played two games against the Texans, Jaguars and Titans, all who have big question, either uh, young question marks, but hopeful question marks at quarterback or just a huge question mark with the Texans at quarterback. And, and like we've seen that not be a formula for success. So I think the Colts have it really easy 
And with Andrew Luck, all things are possible, but that defense is still not inspiring. No, that defense is far from inspiring. I mean, any if you want to see the Colts at their finest, just watch them play the Patriots. The Patriots are the traditional pass-first team, but when they get the Colts, they turn out some running back. I think Jonas Gray destroyed them. Like Eric Blunt just licks his chops. And so you know, teams, teams that are smart, teams that are going to the playoffs are going to look at that defense and say, okay, we're just going to get our running back 50 carries and destroy you. I mean, there's, there's until that defense can step up and be mediocre against the run, they're not going anywhere because there are too many teams. The two teams we just mentioned, the Patriots can run. The Broncos have a few good running backs. I mean, there are a lot of teams in the AFC, and the teams that will be in the AFC playoffs can all run and run if they choose to. And they're certainly going to take advantage of a terrible defensive unit. And it's been that way forever. I mean, even back to the Peyton Manning years, their defense has not ever been consistently strong or even sometimes consistently mediocre. So that's where they need to improve the most. But I will say for Indianapolis, if you look at the free agent landscape and have a chance to make a strength stronger, instead of forcing the issue trying to improve your defense, go ahead and do it. And I do like the additions of Frank Gore and Andre Johnson. I think that'll make their offense even more potent. But at the same time, I think that they're going to be weighed down. I think they'll win the South because... I agree with you. I don't think Jacksonville and Tennessee are in a position to contend right now. They're breaking in young quarterbacks. We have no idea what Marcus Mariota is going to do. And the Texans, Brian Hoyer could be a nice stopgap for them, but we saw him in Cleveland firsthand. His star kind of faded as, as more and more tape got thrown at him. I was surprised they went with him over Ryan Mallett as starter. I was, I was kind of impressed by Mallett when he came into Brown Stadium last year. But the point is, I think the Texans are a okay team maybe could take a game from the Colts. I think the Colts could go 5-1 in the division. They might get upset once, but this is Indianapolis's playground right now. I think they're going to shoe into a at least one home playoff game, but I think the defense is ultimately going to weigh them down. Yeah, it sets up nicely for them, though. Uh, they'll get that home playoff game, and then you, know, then you just have to win one game and, and hope that your defense stands stout. But it, it it's not inspiring, especially two years in a row, the way they've lost to New England and they've yet to address those issues either in the draft or free agency. I mean, free agency, they added to their offense and in, in the draft, they, they went offense again when a guy like Malcolm Brown was on the table. I've said this a couple of times on the podcast, but he could, he is a run stuffing defensive tackle. Why was he not taken? And then he happened to go to the Patriots and he looks really good in the preseason. So even more embarrassing, but, yeah, I, I'm not inspired about the Texans. I mean, Brian Hoyer, I've seen him play a lot. He's he's okay. I don't think he's anything better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was their quarterback last year. And now you don't have Andre Johnson. Uh, is that offense, and you're out Arian Foster for a little bit. I mean, is that offense going to improve at all this year? I don't think it is. It's a shame, though, because that defense is really, really good. J.J. Watt is a one-man wrecking ball. He has a good secondary behind him. Uh, Jadavian Clowney barely played last year. Is he going to play this year? If he comes back, that defense gets even scarier, which added Vince Wilfork as well. So that's a team that I would really enjoy watching play. Uh, It's just a shame that they don't have a consistent offense. Yeah, I think Houston's good enough to flirt with 500 if Brian Hoyer can be the Brian Hoyer from first half of last year. But without Arian Foster, who is the motor that runs that offense, especially now that Andre Johnson is gone, it's going to be tough. 
Will Arian Foster be back after four games, six games, eight games? I mean, if he misses half the season, I can't feel good about picking Houston to be in contention for the playoffs. I certainly think Houston could be a pesty team, a solid team, but not a contending team. I, I think they went 9-7 and seven last year. Props to them. That defense is certainly going to keep them in a lot of games, and they should take care of a lot of the teams that are sort of beneath them in the AFC. And they do get to play Jacksonville and Tennessee twice, and I certainly would pick them against those teams. But if we're talking about moving up a notch or moving up a weight class into the playoffs, contending for the playoffs, I think they're still outside looking in on that. Yeah, definitely. I will say I think the Jackson Jaguars, there's reason to hope even more this year. They're looking a little bit better. Bortles showed good signs last year. They got him. Julius Thomas uh, probably paid too much for a guy who has only ever known Peyton Manning as as his quarterback, but it's still a good pickup for a young quarterback. And they also added TJ Yeldon at running back. I think they're, they have the makings of a good offense. They have some good young wide receivers. They actually might be an enjoyable team to watch if you have to watch them uh, on your Sunday waiting for your game to start. So uh, I have some hope for them. Yeah, I think Jacksonville has some hope too. And as Tennessee, it's always exciting when you have a, a top-tier quarterback from the draft coming in Marcus Mariota you gotta wonder what if certainly a guy you'd want to cheer for he seems like a really good guy off the field and everything it's just a matter of whether or not he can translate to the NFL so so there's some excitement around those teams and there's potential there but I mean when we're talking about you know the division I mean it's this is Indianapolis's toy right now yeah definitely I, I have it I have Indianapolis winning the division uh no doubt yeah i I'd be surprised unless Andrew Luck like misses eight games or something like that. Because if if he's healthy, I think it's their division to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, we went north, went south. Now let's go east, which is a very intriguing division, and the courts are going to have a lot to say about this division race here in the upcoming week. But the Patriots have ruled the roost for a very long time. I don't I think there's only been two or three years where they haven't won this division since two thousand or two thousand one. So this is New England's this is New England's playground, but I mean Bob, I do think the other three teams in this division are improving. I think all three of them improved this offseason. What do you think of the East? The East is definitely intriguing and deflate gate makes it even more intriguing, like you said. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna have to start uh home against the Steelers like we talk about uh he's gonna play at Bills week two home against the Jaguars and then at the Cowboys um honestly if if it the suspension for Tom Brady holds true if Garoppolo is starting those four games I only see them winning that one against Jacksonville yeah I I kind of agree that's the only one that they should win now, I certainly think they could beat Buffalo. It is in Buffalo. That's the problem I've right. got with that. And Buffalo's defense is really good, and Rex Ryan really doesn't like the Patriots. However, I will say one thing. When the Patriots lost Tom Brady in 08, they had to start Matt Castle week two against the Jets. I don't think this was Rex Ryan yet. This was, I believe, Eric Mangini. And they still beat him. So... Bill Belichick has been able to develop good backup quarterbacks for a time. I mean, Matt Castle went 11-5 and with the Patriots. Now, again, he was thrown to Randy Moss. He had Wes Welker. A little bit different a little more, animal. He was a little more seasoned he, as well than, he, than Garoppolo. He, exactly. He was a little more seasoned. But Garoppolo did, does have a year under him. 
He does have a preseason to prepare. I don't think it's out of the question that they go two and two. I think if the Patriots, if Brady's not playing, goes two and two, they'll be fine. If they're in the one and three or heaven forbid zero and four era, then that's a big red light. Because you got to remember, last year through week four, they got destroyed by the Kansas City Chiefs and went two and two, and then they just turned it on and destroyed everyone and made it to the Super Bowl. So. Starting off 2-2 two two would not necessarily be the death stroke for them. They also started off 2-2 two two in 2003 and went on to win, I believe, 22 or 23 straight games, including that Super Bowl, that streak that stretched into the next year, part of their back-to-back Super Bowl title run. So the Patriots starting slow would not be an alarm. I don't think you want to ever start 1-3 or, heaven forbid, 0-4. Yeah, definitely not. That's That's a big hole to get out of. I think... I think they have a couple of saving graces. One of those first four games, only one is against an in-division team against the Bills, and that's an away game against the Bills. So they still have five more games to assert their will on the rest of the AFC East with Tom Brady. When Tom Brady comes back, you know, I even if they finish 0-4, I'm still inclined to pick them to win the division just because I don't, I'm not believing in, in the Dolphins hype train. And I guess we can go in and talk about that. I do have some things to say about the Patriots uh, defense as well. But the Dolphins spent huge on Ndamukong Sue. Uh, they traded, they added for Greg Jennings. They traded away Mike Wallace. They traded for Kenny Stills, Jordan Cameron. They drafted Devontae Parker. Uh, huge changes on the offense. Gave Tannehill a huge contract. I, I, I still just don't believe in them. I think there are huge questions on their offensive line. It's a really bad offensive line. The run game, still, I don't know what is going to go on with that. Yeah, you have Sue, but you have a really bad secondary behind him. I just don't I don't think the Dolphins have improved enough or added. They, they, tra- let, they traded a lot of pieces in the offseason, plus Sue, who is the big fish, the big prize in the free agency, but I'm not. I'm not sold on the Dolphins, are you? I kind of like the Dolphins, to tell you the truth. I think Sue will make Cameron Wake even better, so I think that that front line is very scary. You're right, their secondary is of concern and their running attack is of concern. But I like the way Ryan Tannehill has developed as a quarterback, too. And truth be told, out of the draft, I wasn't very sold on him. But I think each of his seasons, he's shown improvement. And now he has offensive weapons to legitimately throw to. I mean, we're talking Jarvis Landy, Landry had a very strong year last year. They're getting him Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Greg Jennings, along with Jordan Cameron, if Jordan Cameron can stay healthy. So I do think that he will finally have a chance to really take a bigger step forward because I don't think he's had very legitimate weapons over the last few years. Now, I mean, Mike well, Wallace has been good. But he certainly has had declined in his time in Miami. I mean, I don't think any of the the receivers they added is, were better than Mike Wallace was last year. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what they got in Devontae Parker, though. I mean, yeah. I a lot of people talking about Devontae Parker being the next ODB. So, I mean, we don't know what they got there. I think Jarvis Landry is a good possession guy. I liked Kenny Stills in New Orleans. And, you know, Greg Jennings, had, didn't. I mean, he dropped off in Minnesota. But, I mean, if he comes back... I think he could be the same as Mike Wallace was in Miami. I mean, I don't know. I, I just I think Mike Wallace was a, there. There was a little more there than just his talent. I think that there may have been some other issues. I mean, he, well, yeah. I think the Mike Wallace's problem was the huge contract they gave him. There is they overpaid for what they were getting, 
but if you just look at what he produced, he produced very well for them. He just wasn't earning the money they were giving him. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But I, I do like the Ndamukong Sue signing in the near term. I don't like the big contract long term, but if we're talking about this year, Sue is going to make that defense better. They already have a pretty good lineup with Cameron Wake there as well. I think that they are going to harass some quarterbacks, and, and I kind of like Miami. I think that they have the potential to really make a step forward. Buffalo would be a popular pick for me, too, if they had a better quarterback. I'm not sold on Matt Castle. EJ Manuel, we'll see if he can stay healthy, if he can turn into the first-round pick, but I just don't like their offense that much, and I think it's going to hold them back. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan either. Uh, they made the big move to to trade for LaShawn McCoy and gave him a big extension afterwards. Uh, I think McCoy's in for a bit of a regression. I mean, he played under Andy Reid and then Chip Kelly. Those are two uh, really good offensive minds. Now he's playing for Rex Ryan, who I think Rex Ryan could care less about offense, honestly. He's a great defensive head coach. His his teams are always known for their defense, and they're equally as known for their mediocre offenses. I mean, I, McCoy is certainly as good a running back as Rex Ryan has ever coached, but I don't think... He, he's going to utilize him in the way that Reed and, and Chip Kelly did. I don't think so either. And if you want to see Rex Ryan's offense on display, look at what Mark Sanchez did under him. And then look at what Mark Sanchez did under Chip Kelly. I mean, Mark Sanchez actually looked like a pretty good quarterback under Chip Kelly. And even though Mark Sanchez got led, quote unquote, led that team to two AFC championship games, he certainly didn't look like a franchise quarterback under Rex Ryan. I mean, they won because of their running attack and their defense when he was there so yeah I agree with you I don't think Rex Ryan is a very good offensive head coach and so I don't necessarily think the Bills offense is going to be that good especially since they don't have a franchise quarterback on that roster that I know of unless EJ Manuel can take the step and show flashes like he's won so I don't know I'm not a fan of the Bills I love that defense though but I just don't think that they have enough to really overthrow New England though they do get them in week two at home, possibly without Tom Brady. So that's definitely a plus. The Jets, though, I'm intrigued by the Jets because I think Brandon Marshall helped take pressure off the quarterback, whoever gets that quarterback job, and Eric Decker, who quietly had flirted with 1,000 yards last year despite having a black hole throwing to him at the quarterback position. I think Chris Ivory's an underrated back. They invested a ton of money in their secondary with Revis, Cromartie, and Screen. So, you know... I, that was kind of a question mark to me. Why did you go after all three of those guys? But the Jets could be a little intriguing. I'm not saying they'll win the division, but let's also remember Ryan Fitzpatrick had his best years when he was in Buffalo with Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey is now the Jets' offensive coordinator, so he's certainly very comfortable in that system. And the combination of Marshall and Decker are better than, I think, anything he had in Buffalo. So could potentially be a sort of a... Not a, not a you know a, a dark horse playoff pick, but maybe a, a surprise team. Yeah, I think they'll be better. I the Jets just seem to find ways to be bad <laughs> of, of recently. <laughs> I do think that the right hook that knocked Geno Smith out of quarterback contention was a in terms of this season probably a blessing for them because I think Fitzpatrick is a good underrated quarterback. Uh, that that can guide a team effectively especially a team that has a great defense like the Jets they had a good defense last year they upgrade that secondary 
get Darrell Revis, obviously the big prize. Uh, you have to think that they're going to be better. They added Leonard Williams to a defensive line that uh, is going to be missing Sheldon Richardson for a couple of games. So they're not going to feel that loss all too well either. Um, yeah, I think, I think he can guide this team to, to, um, a decent amount of success. I don't think we're talking playoff contention or even, I don't think better than third place in the AFC East, but I think, I think he can do it. Um, I don't think he can get the most out of Eric Decker or Brandon Marshall, but it'll be very nice to, to have those two guys on the outside for sure. Certainly. And don't sleep on Bryce Petty taking over that job midway through the year. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is certainly a very good quarterback, but he's a journeyman quarterback. I mean, you got to know that he's not going to be your long-term solution, and Bryce Petty could be that. They drafted him in the draft and could be a sleeper quarterback pick. Who knows? But I, I certainly think you'll see Petty start a few games this year. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting to see. I think if, if the Jets had a good quarterback – that would be a very scary team, but they, they just have a huge black hole there and just some offensive inconsistency, uh, most notably under Rex Ryan. So maybe that'll change now, but, uh, if they had a quarterback, they would be a very scary team, but, uh, their quarterback situation is going to do them like it's dooming a lot of the teams we're talking about. Yeah. I think you noticed the one common theme in most NFL previews is that the teams that are contending for the playoffs and at the top of most of these lists all have established strong quarterbacks and, I've always said if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a team. I mean, you can be great, you can piece things together, and every now and then you can catch lightning and write a guy like Rex Grossman or Jake DeLome or someone like that to the Super Bowl. The more often than not, those teams fall short. Yeah, certainly. All right, so I'm not sure if you told me who you're picking to win this division. I am picking the Patriots. I'm not betting against Bill Belichick and the system. I think that they will go 2-2 two and two in their first four games, even if they don't have Tom Brady. If they do have Tom Brady, they could win a few more, and they'll be fine. Yeah, I'm picking the Pats as well. Uh, they're, the teams below them definitely got better, but the, the Pats are the Pats, and until proven otherwise, or really until Tom Brady's not leading that team, even if it's just for a 12-game season, uh, I can't pick against them. Awesome. Well... Let's go out. Let's change some time zones now and go west. I feel like this division comes down to one person, and that's Peyton Manning. Whether or not he's going to be healthy for all of 2015. I mean, it, Bob, it, he's been your boy forever. <laughs> Do you think, I mean, were the signs, I mean, those last eight or nine games with him, he did not look the same. Is he healthy? And can he make it for a full 16-game season anymore? I think he's entering the season healthy. I think the concern is can he maintain health throughout the season? And that's a big question mark. Um, It's not like all of last year he was bad. Uh, It was the end of last year where his velocity and the throws he he was making were just noticeably bad and slow. And they were just kind of like lost. And like, I mean, they, they called them ducks in Seattle two years ago. They were serious ducks last year. Um, Gary Kubiak is going to help. The signing of Evan Mathis is going to help. And the commitment to the run is going to help. The fact that they uh, didn't sign Julius Thomas back and added Owen Daniels, who's a tight end that can is more suited for an all-around tight end game who can block in the run and catch some passes. They're going to run. They're going to pound. And Broncos have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball where they can take the leadership. Akib Talib, 
TJ Ward. Um, man, they have another really good corner who had a really good year last year, and I, his name is slipping my slipping me. But then Bradley they have a great Roby. pass. Uh, well, Roby is really good. Um, another guy was undrafted free agent. He was uh, top ten what, pro football focuses list of top ten players in the entire league last year. I forget his name. Uh, undrafted guy. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry that I don't have that name. But they have a great pass rush as well. Uh, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware. They took uh, Shane Ray in the draft. I mean, this is a good defense, a good attacking defense. The secret to keeping Payman healthy is keeping him on his legs. That means ground and pound. That means playing good defense, field position, running the ball as much as you can, and, and taking the ball out of his hands. I think... If he's healthy, this is a very dangerous team, and that has to be your top priority because they can navigate through a season relatively well without relying solely on Peyton Manning, and I, that's going to be the key. Chris Harris Jr. by chance? Yes, Chris Harris Jr. was the number one rated cornerback all last year according to Pro Football Focus. So they do have they have, they have a good defense. No, certainly. I, I think that they are a good all-around team. They have a lot around Peyton Manning. He doesn't have to win games for them. They do have a three-headed monster at running attack. C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman, and if Monte Ball could just reclaim his groove back. I don't know why, why he struggled so much on this team, but they do have three really good running backs, and they have a coach who is brilliant at establishing that zone-blocking scheme that works so well in Houston. I think if they rely on that a little bit more than Peyton Manning's hurry-up offense, I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but I think Peyton needs to hand it off a little bit more. They certainly have good wide receivers with Marius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Like you said, Owen Daniels is an all-around tight end, but he certainly can catch the ball too. I think they will be fine, but if we're talking long-term here, Peyton Manning has to make it through the year healthy. And you know What I saw last year was a guy who took too many hits, a guy who the hits wore on him, and by the time the playoffs rolled around, did not look like an elite quarterback. I mean, that playoff game against the Colts, he missed some really just bad misses on his throws. So, yeah, it's definitely a big concern. I think that you're right that they can navigate through the regular season okay without relying too much on Peyton Manning. I would be interested to see how the Broncos are playing in December, and that, I think, will tell you how far that this team can go come playoff time. But until I see Peyton Manning lose it for a whole year, I think that they are good enough to get, win this division and get to the playoffs with the guys they have around him. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree as well. Um, it's hard to pre- to make to do a preview of of a league and to predict injury as well. And to throw that in there, I think until he goes down until he gets hurt, you have to consider the Broncos, the favorite to win this division that does not take away the credit from the San Diego chargers and the Kansas city chiefs, who I think are trying their hardest to win this division. Uh, the chargers, you, people were counting them out a couple of years ago, people, especially Philip rivers. He's had two really good years uh, they drafted Melvin Gordon really early in the hopes to get uh, get him some help in the running game. I think they're coming. I think that they are in a win-now mode with Phillip Rivers uh, entering the last stages of his high level of play. And then the Kansas City Chiefs signed Jeremy Macklin. I think that's a really good signing. 
and uh, they, they beefed up their offensive line as well. So they're definitely coming for the Broncos until proven otherwise, though, with Peyton Manning moderately healthy or entering the season healthy. I, th- I think the Broncos are, are still set to beat them out. Yeah, I think the Broncos are a little bit better. It's not just that, but those two teams are both just inconsistent. I mean, I, I think on paper, both of those teams have the makings of a playoff team, especially San Diego, because I think Phillip Rivers is an elite-level quarterback. But I just don't understand. They always win some, lose some head-scratching games or things like that, and they're just not very consistent even when they're at full strength. So until they can show that they can go 16 games looking like a playoff team instead of you know having a couple of those head-scratching losses – you got to pick Denver because Peyton Manning has been super consistent in the regular season, and Denver's locked and loaded. Yeah, definitely. I and um, anything to say about the Raiders? I think they're getting better. I like the Derek Carr, Amari Cooper idea. Uh, I just don't see them ready this year to compete. They're not ready this year, but since you asked about the Raiders, we are going to pick some non-playoff storylines, and the Oakland Raiders are actually my non-playoff storyline. A team that's not going to make, probably not going to make the playoffs, but interesting and I think the Oakland Raiders are a very interesting team I like Derek Carr I said before the draft that if his last name wasn't Carr if he wasn't David Carr's brother he probably would have been a first round pick I thought he was one of the better quarterbacks in last year's draft he had a solid season last year but when you look at what he had around him you can understand why his numbers weren't that super great he still had a positive touchdown to interception ratio and they added Amari Cooper they added some good weapons around him I liked Amari Cooper in this draft too so the Raiders are definitely going to be an intriguing team. Again, I don't think that they're going to contend this year, but I'm interested to see if Oakland can finally sort of get back towards a, a more consistent winner like they were a couple decades ago. Yeah, yeah, I think they, I think, uh, they, they might be fun to watch. I think Khalil Mack is in for a good year two as well, so there's hope on that defense as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, pick, I'm picking the Broncos to win division. Is that, that's the way you're going as well? Yeah, I'm going to pick Denver to win the division. Again, until proven otherwise, i got to stick with Peyton Manning. And I think Gary Kubiak's definitely going to help that team and, and help develop more of a running game. Not that they had a bad running game, but have a little bit more balance throughout the year. Yeah, for sure. All right, so um, playoff picture. Recap your division winners, and then you want to pick your two wildcard teams? Certainly. Well, I have the North Baltimore, the South Indianapolis, then the East New England, and then the West Denver. You guys can probably guess who my wildcard teams are. I really like Pittsburgh to win one of the two wildcards. I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore are both going to be in the playoffs. That division is going to be nip-tuck, probably come down to the end or a tiebreaker. So I could easily see Baltimore being a wildcard too, but I think both of those teams will be there. i got Pittsburgh as a wildcard. And you might not be on the Dolphins' gravy train, but I think the Miami Dolphins are going to make the playoffs this year. I think Ryan Tannehill will take a big step forward. I like what they did on that defense, the defensive line. Yeah, there are some questions, but I don't think the AFC is that tough. And I think the second wild card really is up for grabs for about three or four teams, and I think the Dolphins will win it. Yeah, my, my playoff picture looks very similar. I got the Ravens, Patriots, Broncos, and Colts winning divisions. Steelers as my wild card. I agree with you. You could easily swap out the Steelers and the Ravens for division winner and wild card winner. It's that number six wild card. Like you said, there are probably uh, five teams that, that will come really close to getting that wild card. I actually have the Chargers winning it. Um, That's I just think Philip I just think Phillip Rivers got a little bit more offensive firepower with Melvin Gordon. I know there's the Antonio Gates suspension, but I don't think Rivers needs Gates 
as much as he did maybe five years ago. Uh, I, ju- I just think that they are going to put it together. I-, I could easily see the Chiefs or the Bengals or even the Texans coming in that spot, but I'm going with my gut and going with the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, you named all the other teams that I was debating about. I, th- I could see the Chiefs, I could see the Chargers, the Texans, the Bengals, the Dolphins, outside shot, maybe the Bills, but I-, I think those are the five teams that are contending for that last spot. I'm going to go with the Dolphins, but... I, I was debating between the Dolphins and the Chargers, so I, I think that with Philip Rivers, he's an elite-level quarterback. You certainly can win with him. Uh, they just need to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, definitely. And you said you had a your non-playoff storyline was watching the Oakland Raiders. Mine, uh, my storyline is two great defenses with terrible quarterbacks, and that's the Bills and the Texans. Probably the most fun to watch uh, two defenses play in the AFC. And they have just great defensive linemen, J.J. Watt, uh, the Bills with Jerry Hughes, Mario Williams, and Marcel Darius. Uh, there's tons of talent on both those teams, but they are just going to be doomed by bad quarterbacks, and it's going to be a shame. Certainly. I think you're going to have two very strong defenses, quote-unquote, wasted by mediocre quarterback play. I think Houston has a better chance because they're in a bit easier division, and I think they have a better quarterback than Buffalo. So... That'll be interesting. But again, with Arian Foster down so long, it's going to be tough for both of those teams. But you're right. I think those two defensive units could be two of the five best in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Any last things to say about the AFC? No, not really. I mean, I'm sure everyone's wondering who we're going to pick to win the AFC, but we're actually not going to reveal it just now. You're going to have to wait till part two of our preview to get our Super Bowl picks. So come back next week. We'll go through the NFC, and then we will reveal who we think will face off in the Super Bowl. So sort of a cliffhanger there. I know it's a shame, but don't worry. We will pick who wins the Super Bowl and who wins the AFC on next week's part two of our Super NFL Preview Podcast Spectacular. (laughs) But 